0: Um, so you can open your Bible to, uh, turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 9. Luke 9, Lucas 9. En die skriflezing gaan nou in Afrikaans wees, want ons het, ons het beplan dit sal Afrikaans wees voor ochend. Je kan op, op die skerm volgende Afrikaans, en gaan in Engels lees. Luke 9, verse 43b, to verse 50. Luke 9, 43b, to 50. And the theme in Afrikaans, Kreisleus uh, a Christina, or in English then, Crossless Christians. where You can maybe speak of talk of crossless Christianity. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to the throne of grace, but also to the cross of Christ, as sinners washed in the blood of the Lamb, and as children of the living God, as children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We bow before you, Eternal Father, Righteous God, the Holy One of Israel. We ask that you would guide us today in the inward man, in the inner man, that you would stir us to the depth of our souls through the message of the cross. Even though most of us belong to you, most of us are saved, most of us have been born again. And yet, Lord, how often we need to come back to the cross of Jesus. Make this a blessing to us this morning for the sake of your beloved Son. Amen. The guy who started the Salvation Army, uh, the Hales Lear, William Booth, he said these words, I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century Will be these are the dangers. Religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, regenerations mean, means being born again. Politics without God and heaven without hell. And in, in in one sense we can also say this morning, a danger for Christians is being crossless crossless, Christianity without the cross. And that's, very, that's very, a very real danger and a very present danger where Christians, they hang on to a form of Christianity where either they misunderstand the cross or they forget about the cross of Jesus or it's just totally absent, the cross of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at three words to explain this this the first word is crossless of Christ kruisloos, verse 43, B, on the screen, to verse 45. Uh, you follow in English, I'll read in Afrikaans. En toe amal verwonderd was oor alles wat Jesus gedoen het, sê hy vir sy disciples, Bewaar hierdie die woorde in julle ore. want die steen van die mens sal oorgelever word in die hande van die mense, Maar hij leidde die woorden niet verstaan, nie, en dit was for bedek, zodat hij het niet zou begrijp. Niemand was bang om om iets te vragen over die woord. Niet door de afnemer. You know, people, people, it's very easy for people to listen to an hour-long testimony that someone gives. Die wonderlijke getuigenis, wat iemand gee. And This guy talks for an hour and says what the Lord has done for him, and we just hang on the guy's lips. But let someone preach a sermon on the cross of Jesus Christ and let it go for more than 40 or 45 minutes and people start looking at their watches. When's this guy getting done? When's this over? And we see this kind of thing in these verses I just read to you. You see here... Uh, actually, last week's verse, verse 43a, says, They were astonished at the majesty of God. Ooh, all these people, look at the miracles Jesus are doing. How marvelous, how wonderful. But then the next verse, Jesus says one sentence about the cross, and the disciples is like they look at him with misty eyes. Huh? What's he talking about? And they don't get it. But Jesus wants them to get it. Jesus wants them to understand the cross. Because otherwise, if you do not understand the cross of Jesus, you don't have a right view of His Messiahship, say Messiahskap, and you don't have a right view of Christianity if you don't have the cross right, if you don't get it right. Now, He's already taught them about the cross. In verse 22, verse 22, Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised. So, he's already spoken about this, but what do the disciples do? Huh? They don't understand. What does this mean? And so, they have to hear it again. And that's Jesus said in verse 44, let these things sink into your ears. Hide them in the, your ears. Bear it in your They must understand that the Son of Man, that is Jesus, the Son of Man must be delivered over into the hands of men. Just like you pass a rugby ball from one player to the next, from one pair of hands to the next. So Jesus was in the hands of men. Where did it start? Judas. And then the temple police in the garden when they come to arrest him and the soldiers. And then... The next thing, he goes to the Jewish leaders, the Jewish council, Yisabet Yitzhakat. And then they pass him from their hands, he goes to Pontius Pilate, Pilatus. And then he goes to King Herod. And then he goes back to Pontius Pilate. And then he's in the hands of the crowd, where they shout, Crucify him, crucify him, his blood be on us and our children. Let's say, Bluetopp ons weftavius, onsen And then the next thing he gets passed into the hands of the Roman soldiers and they take hammer and nails and they drive it through his wrists, through his hands and through his feet. He's nailed to a cross. Now, now obviously we understand that it didn't really start with Judas. Where did it start? Luke 22 said, Satan entered into Judas. This is not just demon possession. This is Satan himself entering a person. So Satan far Judas, and then, and, and then he—it's like he, uh, he blows on the on the coals on the fire. He blasty he, he hits it on, so that Judas will then, or deliver him into the hands of the soldiers, and the rest of the story. But actually, it doesn't even start with Satan. If it says he's delivered, he will be delivered over into the hands of men. Who's the very first cause of this? The very first cause is God. Jesus himself, in the the verse I'm going to preach on next week, verse 51, it says, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. So Jesus himself says, I give my life. Jesus said that in John chapter 10, verse 18. No one takes my life from me. I have power to lay my life down, and I have the authority to take my life up again. Jesus gave his life willingly. And that, it didn't even start there. It started before God created the world, where the Father and the Son made a covenant to say that Jesus would be the Savior of sinners. We read of this in Acts, Handelinge, Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 27 and 28, where it says that they delivered him over, uh, in the illustriery of who Jesus Christ is, to do everything that God's hand had predestined, God's plan had predestined to take place. 1 Peter 1, verse 20, the same thing. Now, all of us, we understand this. You sitting here this morning saying, I've I've heard this a hundred times. I've heard this message of the cross many times. Why must I hear it again? Why must we hear it again? Because verse 22, Jesus told it already, but they forget. (laughs) And so that's why Jesus has to say it again in verse 44. You don't get it. We forget. Or verse 45, huh? we don't understand. What does this mean? What is he saying? Can I ask you that this morning? Do you understand what the cross of Jesus Christ means? Do you understand why Jesus died on the cross? Have you made it your own? Have you accepted it? Have you embraced it? Have you received the benefits? Have you received the benefits of the death of Jesus Christ and you've received it by faith? Now all those questions, maybe you answer yes and you say yes, I understand the cross. I've believed in Jesus. I've received the benefits of, of the cross of Jesus. My faith is in Christ but perhaps some of you sitting here this morning, you've lost focus you've lost focus you come to the lord's table the you come to the lord's table every second sunday and you're so used to it you don't even think about what it means anymore or maybe you don't even care if there's if we have the lord's table communion you don't even care you don't care that you've missed it for three months four months six months it's like who cares So you've forgotten the cross of Christ, or you're rejecting the cross of Christ, or you're just ignoring the cross of Christ. It's not important to you. Is the cross still central in your thoughts and in your life as it was for the Apostle Paul? In Galatians 6 verse 14, where Paul says, I will boast in nothing else except in the cross of Jesus Christ, through whom I was crucified to the world, and the world was crucified to me. And if you do not remember the cross, or if the cross is not in your focus anymore, you have forgotten the central part of the Christian faith. You've forgotten Christianity, really. And that will have long-term effects. What Kevin the Young said about church attendance, I want to say about the cross of Jesus Christ. If you forget the cross of Jesus Christ, you shoot yourself in the foot, your children in the knee, and your grandchildren in the heart. And so what's going to happen is your children, yes, the cross is not in your focus anymore. It's not central to your thought life. It's not central to your life as a Christian. And what's going to happen to you is, well, you forget that. Your children, it's just going to become like an aside. It's just a base arc, fella. It's just an aside. Yes, the cross of Jesus, it's kind of, but the important, more important stuff. And then your grandchildren, they'll reject the cross. And they'll be legalists. They'll be these these human beings who think that, oh, we saved by doing good stuff because they've forgotten the cross. It's almost like the Amish in the United States, in Lancaster County. The Amish, the first generation of Amish, they accepted the gospel. The second generation of Amish, oh, they accepted the gospel, but they had all these little extra stuff you need to do. The second generation of the Amish, they focused on these little stuff they have to do, and the cross was just, the gospel was just, it's here. The third generation of armies, they rejected the gospel. And they just, and now all they have left is doing these stuff. We need to do these stuff to be saved. So you want to make the cross the center of your life, then you must come to the cross regularly. Jij moet gereeld die You have to come regularly. You have to thank the Lord regularly. Often, thank the Lord for your salvation through the cross. And then confess your sins daily. Come to the Lord every day and confess your sin. And why can you be forgiven? Because of the cross. And find yourself a church. If you're going to watch this recording later on online, you're not part of this church, you live in another town perhaps, or you, maybe you do live in Kempton and you don't have a good church. Find a church. It doesn't have to be this one. Find a church that focuses on the cross, where the cross of Christ is central. Like the Apostle Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So you focus on the cross. You find a church that focuses on the cross through the preaching. The preaching of the cross must be central. You find a church where the cross is central by the celebration of the Lord's Supper. You eat the bread, you drink the wine, you drink the cup to remember the cross. You find a church where the cross is central in the prayers, where the cross is central in the singing. We sing about the cross and what Jesus did for us. On Calvary, when he shed his blood, where missions is important, it's central. Evangelism is central. Why? We're telling others the message of the cross. And then teach your children about the cross. So don't just tell them about Adam and Eve uh, in a moral way. You're teaching them little lessons. Oh, Adam and Eve were naughty. Don't be naughty. Uh, teach them about David and Goliath. David killed a giant. God can help you to kill giants. Uh, teach them about Noah and the flood. Oh, all the animals came into the ark, and you got the giraffe smiling, and you know, you know those pictures, and the woodpecker trying to pick heart on the ark. Uh, (laughs) so you tell your children those stories don't do that don't teach your children those stories without getting to the cross you must focus on the cross so this is how you tell the story you tell them about adam and eve and they sinned and death came into the world and you know what god did then god killed animals god killed animals because he made them clothes of skin. So blood needed to flow to give them covering. And you know what that means? That is a picture of Jesus would come one day to cover our sins, to wash away our sins, and to cover us so we can stand before God. Jesus came to turn around. He turned, turned it around, the whole fall and everything that went wrong. Sin came into the world and death came in and then Jesus died to bring us out of sin. And then when you tell them about Noah and the ark, don't just talk about animals and giraffes and uh, a big boat and uh, rain. Tell them about God's judgment on the earth and how only Noah and his family were safe because they were inside the ark. And that's a picture of Jesus, says 1 Peter chapter 3, where if you hide in Jesus by faith, you are safe from the storm of judgment that is coming. And when you tell them about David and Goliath, don't just talk about a little or a teenage boy and a giant talk about God's power to defeat his enemies, and then tell them about David had a great, 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 great grandson. And his name was Jesus, the son of David. And Jesus came to defeat even a greater enemy than Goliath. Jesus defeated the evil one. Jesus defeated our sin. Jesus defeated death and hell when he died on a cross. You know, some some churches do preach about the cross, and they do sing about the cross, but they've got a wrong focus. They focus on man. They focus on us instead of focusing on Jesus. So this is what they say. They say, oh, Jesus died on the cross. Do you know why? Because you're so special and you're so wonderful. My Bible teaches me Jesus didn't die because of who you are, but in spite of who you are. Jesus died not because you were great, but because you and I were sinners. Romans 5 verse 8, Christ died for us when we were yet sinners. Jesus didn't die to make good people better. Jesus died to make bad people good, to change them, to save them, to transform them. So that answers the question that a man wants. You've probably heard this. People will say, I have a theory, and my theory is that even if I were the only person who ever existed on the earth, Jesus would still come to die for my sins. Okay. But let me say this then. Jesus wouldn't still come to die if you were the only person because you're so wonderful. That shows how great your sin is, that Jesus would have to suffer such an awful death for the sin of even one person. So don't have a man-centered focus when you talk about the cross. Focus on Jesus. Jesus didn't die, furthermore. Jesus didn't die so you and I can have money prosperity. That's what the prosperity churches teach. Teaches. The prosperity churches say, Jesus died so you can have money and you can always be healthy and wealthy. Like a poster in a village in, close to louis where I grew up. There was a poster and Seth, my friend Seth, the missionary, took a photo of this and he showed this to me. And there's this poster, Crusade, and you see the great man of God as they call him on the poster. He's going to do miracles tonight. You must go. And then at the bottom, John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world, so that whoever is poor may be rich. So that's their prosperity message they're pushing. And he didn't mean spiritual le- riches like 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He means getting money, getting money. Actually, I want to tell you, Jesus, Jesus didn't even die mainly. He did die for this, but he didn't even... Die mainly so that you, you and I can go to heaven. The main reason Jesus died was to show the holiness of His Father, that the Father does not just Turn a blind eye to sin. Romans 3 verse 25. It says Jesus died to show the righteousness of the Father. Jesus died mainly to show His great love for sinners and the great love of the Father for sinners. 1 John 4 verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved Him, but that He loved us and gave His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And The disciples didn't get this. They didn't understand this. They don't know what does it mean? What's he talking about? He's going to be delivered into the hands of men. What does this business mean? Verse 45. Why did the, the disciples not understand the cross? The reason they didn't understand the cross is because, one reason is, it hadn't happened yet. It's like you and me with the second coming of Jesus. Ja, ons verstaan, Jezus kom weer, maar het al gesien, uh, Christians disagree on the, on the fine detail, on the detail of the end times. When's this going to happen, what's going to happen first? Why do we disagree? It's not happened, it hasn't happened yet. And so we don't get it all. Another reason the disciples didn't understand is it didn't fit into their theological framework. het pas nie in hulle boksie Hoe werk hier we don't get it. What does he mean? This doesn't work for us. When I grew up as a Jew and my dad told me that the Messiah will come one day and he will beat the Romans and chase them out of Israel and sit on the throne in Jerusalem and reign over the whole earth. And now, now he's talking about being delivered over into the hands of men who's going to die. What does he mean? What's he talking about? Another reason they didn't understand... Verse 45 says, their eyes, it was concealed from them, it was hidden, as far away And the reason is God, God hadn't opened their eyes yet. and Lukas 24, dan sê dit to die Heere, Jesus, na die opstanding, dan sê Jesus, a far away, oe, ek wil julle vertel nou van, my Christus, en opstanding, met julle nie verstaan het nie. En dan sê die Bijbel, and Jesus opened their minds, to understand the scriptures. Oh, is dit wat hy bedoel het? Now we get it, now we understand. So you see, the ability, your and my ability to understand the truth, doesn't come from ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit who must open our minds, our eyes, our hearts, our understanding. So as Lukas, as so is die inkrind 2 vir ons sê, vers 10 tot 16. En dan nog rede is, hulle is ontsteld. Die disciples, Matthäus 17, sê is angstig, waarvan praat hy? En nou wil jy nie eindelijk vir Jezus vraag wat bedoel hy nie, want nou nou antwoord hy wat jy gedink het, hy bedoel. En sê, so, jy is bang, jy blei maar stil. They don't get it, they don't understand. Jesus, Would Jesus have explained this to them if they asked him? Remember the parable of the sower, die gelijkenis van die sower? They asked Jesus, what does it mean? And Jesus explained so, if they had asked Jesus, because it says at the end of verse 45, they were afraid to ask him. If they had asked Jesus, he would have explained what this means. Another reason why they didn't understand is because they were proud. Verse 46. An argument arose among them as to which of them is the greatest. And you see this pride. You don't want to ask a question. It's like kids sitting in a class and the teacher says, do all of you understand? But 10 of those kids in the class, they don't understand. Do all of you understand anyone got a question? You don't want to put up your hands like no one else is putting up. Oh, I understand, but you don't understand. You don't understand. So let me ask you, do you is there anyone here today, you're struggling, you're struggling to get this? It doesn't make sense. You don't understand the cross. Ask the Lord to show you why you don't understand. Ask Him, show me, Lord, why don't I get this? Why don't I understand? Maybe the reason you don't understand, and you're a Christian, and you don't get this properly, the reason you don't get this is because you think Oh, the cross of Jesus, why is that important? Oh, it's important because you can't get saved without the cross. But then once you've you've been saved, once you're now converted, once you're a Christian, you think, Oh, so that's the cross. So now what's the cross got to do with the rest of my Christian life? The cross has got everything to do with the rest of your Christian life. You need the cross for all of Christian living, not just for being saved. It makes a difference if you you got guilt of the past. There are things you did in your past and you've repented of that and you've been forgiven for that. But it's still bothering you. It's still like a sword hanging over your head and you can't forget of that sinful thing you did in the past. Well, if you if you think of the cross of Jesus, that is dealt with. Why are you still worrying about the past? Romans 8 says in verse 33, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Wie gaan ek klag inbring tegen die uitverkoernis van God? It is God who justifies. Het God wat regverdig maak meer as dit, Christus is die een wat gesterf het, wat ook uh, opgestaan het, wat ook aan die rechterhand van die Vader sit, wat ook vir ons intree. So die kruis maak 'n verskil, nie net vir oor met wat bekeering kom, en dan los ek het agter nie. Colossense 2 vers 14 sê, The record of debt that stood against us, the record of guilt, was nailed to the cross. It's paid in full. So you don't have to feel guilty about that thing that's still bothering you. If you've brought it to the Lord, lay it down. The cross makes a difference when you've sinned. What do you do when you've sinned? You come to the Lord, and you confess that sin. You ask for forgiveness, and you can be forgiven. Why? Because of the cross. The cross makes a difference if you're struggling to to conquer sin in your life. You just can't overcome the sin. You just can't get the sin under your feet and crush it under your feet. The cross makes a difference because if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. The cross makes the difference. The cross makes a difference if you want to live a life of thankfulness. Galatians 2 verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Wat een dankbaarheid. So moet nie die kruis vergeet nie. Remember the cross. Second word, pride of woog, woogmoed. So die eerste was kruisloos, Eintlik hierdie is woogmoedig. Nee, woogmoedig. Proud, not pride, proud. Verse 46 to 48, let's read. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side, and say to them, whoever receives this child in my name, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you, all is the one who is great. Now there's this, can I call it a, there's this, there's this something inside of us. And it starts when you're a child. You want to be first. Me first. I want to be first. You see it at school, eh? Hey? Grade one boys. My dad can kick a rugby ball to Messina. <laughs> and you see them arguing about whose dad is the strongest. Or the kids, whose dad is the richest. My dad's a doctor, he gets 60,000 rand for one operation. My dad's a lawyer. He gets 80,000 rand if he wins one court case. My dad's a pastor, takes eight people to carry his money every Sunday. So you see kids, they also, when they line up, okay, everyone line up, line up, stand in a right, and they all line up, and everyone, me first, me first, they want to be, and then at break time, my, my uh, office or my study is no longer at home. I work at the church now uh, for sermon prep, but I used to sit on that side of the house, and Kreft Primary School is opposite the, the road, and you see at break times, the kids, what do they do? Let's race, let's see who's the fastest. okay. So there's that something, and it's not just children. We like that also. Die Shame. So adults are the same. Who's going to win? Whose team is going to win? I want to be at the traffic light first. So it's like you want to pass this car, ek wil eeste voorom indruk, hier, is meter furum. Nou is Who's got the most likes on Facebook? Who's got the most followers? And you come to work, to the office. And who's got the nicest clothes? And who's got the nicest figure? And and biggest muscles? And Lakey Moisture and that gym? And who's got the nicest car and the nicest house and goes on the nicest holidays and most luxurious holiday places? And who's got the, uh, the highest position and the highest qualification and the greatest learning and the greatest education, and how many, what's your salary, oh, I don't quite know, but I know mine is bigger than yours, and more than yours, and that unfortunately, that also happens on a spiritual level, It gebeur op 'n een geestelike vlak ook, waar, daar sê die, jy as predikante by mekaar kom, jy ontmoet 'n vreemde predikant, het is nie 15 minuten, of 10 minuten in die gesprek nie, hoe groot is groot is gemeente, en het is not in die past as do that, het well, is nie net predikant en die lidmate doen het ook, waar daar is een ding in ons, ons sê dit nie hardop nie, maar, maar bid ek beter as die vorige ou, en syng ek mooier, en in dien ek beter, en is my gaves beter, kijk maar die Korintheers, hoe het hulle gestrui, hoor. wie de is die gaves die beste, en ek het beter gaves as jy, ek het meer gaves as jy, um, geestelike hoog moet, en wie geer die meeste, en wie dra die beste by, en die meeste by, en it's not just Corinthians, for Paulus, for Apollos, Peter, Paulus, as come on, Peter as and all this arguing like children, and the disciples are exactly the same, verse 46, an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest, and you can, I can just see them, you can just take, take chapter 9, and you start in Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and verse 6, Jesus sends the apostles out, the 12 uh, disciples, he sends them to cast out demons and to heal this. Hey, I cast out two demons today. How about you? <laughs> cast out two demons. I raised, I healed three deaf people. <laughs> deaf people. I raised a dead person, not deaf, dead. And then you can hear Peter, James, and John. <laughs> who, who was on the mountain with Jesus and saw his face shine like the sun? Excuse me, thank you. Argument over. why do we argue about who's the greatest why do we want to be first because we forget the cross verse 44 jesus talks about the cross verse 45 what does he mean we don't understand it therefore verse 46 let's see who's the greatest you see what the cross does the cross is the great leveler The cross cuts you down to size. When you stand at the cross, no one is greater than another. We are all sinners. Jesus had to die for all of us because all of us were lost. None of us could do anything to save ourselves. We need the cross. So how rich you are, how smart you are, how much uh, education you have, how spiritual you are, it does not make you better than others. We are all sinners, and we need the cross. And the disciples don't get this. And I think sometimes we don't get this. So the disciples don't get this. They're arguing about who's the most important, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus knows the disciples' hearts. If you read the parallel text in Mark, then you see um, that they were talking about this on the road. So there's oppi-pat, and they're arguing, I'm greater than you, I'm greater than you. This is grown men. They've got beards. And they're acting like grade one boys. But arguing all about this. And, and then it says when they got to the house, Jesus knew this. So Jesus knew what they were talking about on the road and said, So what, what were you talking about on the road? And they just keep quiet. You read Mark 9. They just kept quiet because they were arguing who's the greatest. Jesus knows the hearts of all people. And we read this in verse 47. Jesus knowing the reasoning of their hearts. You And so the Lord knows you. He knows what you are daydreaming about. He knows when you daydream about yourself. And when you get jealous of other people because they're better than me. And I want to be and, I, and then I start daydreaming how I'm better than they are. And then then I start daydreaming not only jealousy, of those above me, but those below me. You're not as good as I am. And you start treating people badly, of jy dinkt them de ins te slag van ander mens, jy kyk neer op ander mens, want jy dink jy is beter. And so that's why Jesus does not object lesson. Ek wens ek kan an object lesson doen in vir a klein kind die na was, Adrian van der Heide vandag. I need that little guy. Maar om a klein kind, of dan die babse nieuwe klein kind, a achterklein kind, So to to bring a child, this is what Jesus does in verse forty-seven. He brings a child, and now he's got an object lesson for the disciples. Why does he use a child? What can a child contribute to society? Zero. He can't work. He can't get an income. He can't boost the economy. Children don't have status. They don't have importance. Of Bible study. Oh, they're so cute. They're so, oh, look. so babies are cute, but they can't contribute to society. Children need their parents for everything. look like alles. What a clean The can he eat so He can't wash his hands. He can't use the toilet. He can't change his nappy if he's still still wearing nappies or diapers. He can't. He can't bath himself. He can't buy food. He can't provide a bed and a house for himself. He can't provide a car on. He can't even buy clothes. So hy moet om aantrek. She must do everything for that child. He's dependent on his mother, dependent, tannenborsel, wanneer hulle tannen begin snu. Wipe his mouth, protect him, geef hom opvoeding en education, so alles met jy vir die kind doen, en geestelik werk is die Ons dra niks bij nie, tot ons redding. You and I, we do not contribute to our salvation in any way, you have no contribution to make. The only thing you and I bring when we talk about salvation is our sin. That's all we bring, that, the sin that needs to be forgiven. Jesus does everything for us. We need Jesus. Jesus alone can make you acceptable before God. This is what Jesus' father will say. You can next do me. By, for by grace you have been saved through faith, this is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not, a result, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. Dis kan nie roem in ons nie. So, en moen nie roem in ons self nie. Soos wat hulle gedoen het, ek's belangriker, ek's belangriker, in Jesus, roem in die kruis, roem in vers 44, nie vers 46 nie. Hy moet meer word, ek moet minder word. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you brag? Why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Let him that wishes to boast, let him that boasts, boasts in the Lord. Rumani yera, brag and on. Don't be like the disciples, you think you're better than others. Jesus wants to teach us, you and I, we need to accept the smallest, the least important believer in the kingdom of God. Die geringste gelowige, you must accept them as you would accept the father and the son. When that there's it Jesus say. I say we we mount, we rikenke ontvang in my name und fang mein, we mount fangen von my father. So as jy die geringste ontvang in Jesus se naam, ontvang jy hom in die vader. Jy moet net eintlik so asof jy Jesus and die vader ontvang. And it's very easy for us to not do that. It's very easy for us. After church we're going to have tea. And when we have tea, you just visit with the people you feel comfortable with and the people who are like you. And, you. and I've seen this at our church, unfortunately, where sometimes we don't welcome the poor. So they're poor, but they need to stand alone because, you know, you're poor, we, we're not poor. Uh, or people that don't have the same skin color as you, that don't speak the same language as you, and so let them stand alone. Actually, I, I saw this not too long ago. Someone... Having to, oh, you stand one side because you don't look like us or you don't speak the same language or you're a new visitor. Please, can I ask our church members here and those who have been here a long time, please welcome new visitors. And many of you do, but please, even when we stand drinking tea, it's, I know it may feel odd. It's like this guy standing there alone sipping his tea, standing against the pillar. It feels unwelcome. So let's go to those people who are new. You see, are oh, you here the first time or the second or the third time. Stand talking to them. Make them feel welcome. Or children. They're little children and you feel a bit irritated. Oh, I don't want to play with you. I want to talk to the adults. This is exactly what Jesus said not to do. He said, be like this child. If you're not like this child, he says in Matthew 18, then you will not enter the kingdom. So if you want to be like that, you need to remember the cross. You and I need to remember the cross. And if you're not like this, then it shows you've forgotten the cross. You have forgotten that Jesus died not just for your language group, your financial status. Jesus died for black and white and brown and yellow. He died for English and for Afrikaans and what other language groups. He died for rich and for poor, for men and for women, for old and for young, for new men, for for members who've been here a long time and for first time visitors. And so we need to welcome them too. No one is better than the other. All of us need Jesus. All of us need the cross. And Jesus says in verse 48, the one who is least in the kingdom, verse 48, least in the kingdom, that is the one who is great. So be humble. Let's, I know it's hard. Pride is like ingrained in us. It's like second nature. The, well, it's the old nature, right? But we want to be humble and make others feel welcome. To say, hey, yes, you're welcome. Not I'm greater than you, and let's push you out and that kind of thing. So a lot in raised on. No, no, you first. No, you first. Remain at 12. No, you first. No, you first. <laughs> Don't be like my son, Timothy. Because when they have to back out the dishwasher, the skorrelgut machine. No, you first. No, you first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so serve. Serve others. Serve others. Din honor, Amelia, you it Nee, die Put others ahead of yourself. Not like one now in Timothy's favor, this story, like his cousin. So sh- they were standing, and my, my mother said, Okay, all the kids, line up, line up, cookies or sweets or ice cream, whatever it was. And so Timothy will, I was <laughs> for And so the cousin comes and says, Hey, Timothy, he was small. But he is <laughs> to be in the he's after me, right? Those who are last will be first. You want to be first in heaven? Get to the back of the line. <laughs> Or like, um, like Paul Washer. Paul Washer is an American preacher. Uh, he was a missionary. But he also tells a story in all seriousness. So you're preaching at this conference and you've been, you've been invited to preach at the conference and you've got all these great c- celebrity preachers, as we would call them. The John MacArthur's and the John Piper's. And, and so you are invited in the break time to have lunch with these preachers. And then just, just as you're going off to lunch, a a poor preacher from Ghana or Cameroon or whatever, he comes to you and he wants to ask you a question and he wants to talk to you and he's struggling and things are not going well and, and he needs some counsel, he needs some help. What are you going to do? Are you going to go, as Paul Washer says, you're going to go with the big boys? We're going to have lunch now. Sorry, I can't talk to you. Or is it going to be, hey, sure, let's talk. I'll, I'll help you. See the Christian who thinks about the cross that's the kind of Christian he's going to serve others he's going to, he wants to share the love of Christ with other people I will deal with honor and he, he realizes i'm not so important i'm not so special i'm not number 1 that's nee, what the prosperity preachers alles, ek ek verag ek verpest het. Die plakate, en ek het plakate the great preacher the man of god I hate that. That's not Christianity. Christianity is the men who are up front, the leaders. They serve. They serve. Not how special I am. No, at the cross I realize I'm a sinner saved by grace. Now the dirty and the losty and nou moet ek, ek op my voete denk What's dit nou weer in Engels? Intolerance. Okay, intolerant, onverdraagsam, vers 49 en 50, let's read, 49 en 50 on the screen. En Johannes het geantwoord en gesê, Meester, ons het iemand gesien wat in die naam duivels uitdrijf, en ons het om beled, omdat hy nie saam met ons volg nie. Maar Jezus sê, vermoed om nie beled nie, want wie nie tegen ons is nie, is vir ons. A man from the Bahá'í religion. I was busy evangelizing in the street, This is many years ago in Nelsprate. And I shared the gospel with a guy, and he said, I'm from the Baha'i religion. You know, my problem with you Christians are, you think you're the only ones who are right. But Jesus said, I said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Or the liberals, the liberals in many Protestant churches nowadays, South African Protestant churches. I saw a DVD where a liberal pastor from a so-called evangelical church, said, you know, we can't say that if you reject the, res- the bodily resurrection of Jesus, we can't say you can't be part of the church. Everyone can be part of the church. Even if you say Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you're part of the church. That's actually sad and nonsense. One more illustration, the Pope. The pope. So the Pope, the, the Popes actually throughout history, after the Reformation, they've kept on saying, come back to the church. Come, you Protestants. You've, you've broken away from the church. Come back to the Catholic church. Back to the Catholic church. The point I'm trying to make is intolerance or tolerance. Tolerance doesn't mean we just accept everyone as our brothers in Christ. You can reject Jesus. You're my brother in Christ. No, you're not my brother in Christ. If you reject the resurrection of Jesus, you're not my brother in Christ. We don't, we don't tolerate all of that. When I, when I speak about tolerance here, tolerance means you accept every brother or sister in Jesus Christ, all those who have repented of their sin, all those who have trusted Christ, all those who accept the basic facts of Christianity, the base, basic truths of Christianity, those who believe we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone to the glory of God alone. Those are our brothers and sisters, and it's very sad we don't always do that. It's tragic we don't always do that. What we do is we take our Baptist glasses, or whatever denomination you belong to, and so we look at you through our Baptist glasses, or, ma- or maybe through my theological glasses. Are you a Calvinist, young man? And so we look at them through our theological glasses and our Baptist glasses, and then we decide, are you a Christian or not a Christian? And John did the same. So here's a guy. he's casting out demons in the name of Jesus, and John says, "Hey, hey, what are you doing? You're not part of our little group. You can't cast out demons. Did Jesus tell you to do this? Because Jesus told them to do it in, in verse one. And now I some, fast track and You're not one of the 12. I wonder if John was jealous. Because remember the last week's sermon, the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. Now this guy's getting it right. So, hey, hey, you can't be better than us. We're the professionals here. Jesus told us to do this. It sounds like, remember Joshua in the Old Testament. So Moses says, Lord, I need helpers. I can't do this, this big work alone, this job alone. And God says, All right, choose 70 elders, men of character. And I'll take some of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. And then the Holy Spirit comes on these 70 elders. They start prophesying, and there are two guys in the camp, Eldad and Medad. And Joshua says, Moses, Moses, they are two guys in the camp. They're prophesying. They're not part of this group. Stop them. I wonder if we do the same. We do the same. So where's the blessing of God, people? Where's the blessing of God? Where's the kingdom of God? The Baptist Church got this idea like the blessing of God is limited to us. Only limited to our little theological viewpoint. I used to argue with my brother a lot. Lots and lots and lots and lots. Lots of debates with my brother. For hours. Because he disagrees with me and I disagree with him. And I wanted to convince him. We don't want to be humble, we want to be right. Right. Or like a pastor said about a certain young preacher, that guy's a reformed guy, almost, almost, because he's got some things that they disagreed on, the spiritual gifts. Or a pastor recently said, I'm so concerned about this other Baptist pastor. He's now leaving the Baptist. He's going to this other denomination. But the other denomination preached the gospel. But hey, it's not part of our group, guys. You're not part of our group. And we're very proud when it happens the other way around. Hey, did you hear that guy left his denomination? He's coming to the Baptist church. He's finally seeing the light. I mean, you don't have to be a Baptist to go to heaven, but why take the chance? (laughs) Yeah. It's like they think there's this special room for the, the Baptists. You know, when you get to heaven, there's this room, and they'll show you the room. All the Baptists are there. Shh. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> yeah. And it's not only baptism we do this with or, with or reformed theology. We do this with the end times. We do this with spiritual gifts. I, uh, a pastor told me, no, 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 don't go to that church. Now, this church, I referred someone. I said, go to that church. It's a good church. They preach the Bible. And the other pastors, no, don't go to that church. They believe this and this view of the end time. It's not our view. And It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Hey, it's not part of our group. Reminds me of the Apostle John. We've got a big problem, big problem with John Piper. Big problem with Wayne Grudem and Martin Lloyd-Jones. They don't believe the same as us. Because they believe, they believe that supernatural gifts are like the gift of healing. It wasn't just for the Apostles. But now we got a big problem with him. Oh, Verse 49. That guy cast out demons. Was he one of the Apostles? And so we're just repeating John's mistake. Jesus, stop him. He's not part of our group. We need to stop this guy. And the reason is, why do we do that? We forget the cross. We forget verse 44. We think people are acceptable before God because they are part of our group. Instead of the acceptable before God because of Jesus and Jesus alone, the cross and the cross alone. Now, I'm not saying this morning your view on baptism, your view on the spiritual gifts, your view on the end times, I'm not saying that is unimportant. Your view on election, I'm not saying it's unimportant. And just, just throw your convictions to the dogs. What I am saying is. That is not the basis. That is not the foundation for our unity, for our brotherhood. Verse 50. What's the basis for our unity? Verse 44. The cross. Not are you part of my group or not part of my group? So, what kind of people does God use in church history? Does he use Baptists? Yes. Does he use people who baptize babies? Yes. Does he use people who believe in your view of the gifts or the end times? Yes. Or in a different view? Yes. He uses Arminians. He uses Calvinists. He uses people from all groups, all Christian groups. Charles Spurgeon was right. I'm never ashamed to avi- avow myself a Calvinist, I don't hesitate to take the name of Baptist, but if I'm asked, what is my creed? I reply, it is Jesus Christ. And everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone who loves Jesus, everyone who hates sin, that is my brother, that is my sister in Christ, and I will have fellowship with him. I'll say with George Whitfield, I love all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Now does that mean, oh, now we must start one denomination. That is exactly what it does not mean. Because then you're being like John, hey, you should all now come to the Baptists. Now you want everyone in your group. Let's wait for Jesus to come and let Jesus sort out this stuff and help us. That we live as one. What is important now is we must live as one under the cross. Whether you're in here, whether you're doper, whether you're Presbyterian, whether you're Baptist, whether, you, whether you're whatever. We work as part of the same kingdom. And we're not jealous of one another. Why is their church growing but our church isn't growing? It's not their church and our church. This is the church of Jesus is growing. The kingdom of God is growing. Let me close with the words of George Whitfield. So one day George Whitfield was busy preaching, and in his sermon he stopped. And he turned and looked up to heaven and he said, Father Abraham, whom have you in heaven there? Any Anglicans? No. Any Presbyterians? No? Have you any independents there or seceders? A- any Methodists? No? And he could have had Baptists? No? No, no, no. Whom have you in heaven? We don't know those names here. Abraham says. Yes. All who are here are Christians, believers in Christ, men who have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of His testimony. So I may I add my words and my voice to the words of George Whitfield. Do not tell me you are a Baptist and an independent, a Presbyterian, a dissenter. Tell me you are a Christian. That is the religion of heaven, and that must be ours on earth. So may this religion of the cross be the religion of all. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, it is my prayer that you would please help us and forgive us our sins, Lord. We have, maybe only in our thoughts, but, but it's in our hearts, where we have treated people differently because they don't speak the same language or we think we're better than others and all of this because we've forgotten the cross. Lord, please help us to refocus and to place again our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our lives on the cross. Amen.